You've tuned in to TV You Grew Up With, where we interview the people who created the greatest TV shows ever made. Here's your host, Jim Harrell. Welcome to the first edition of TV You Grew Up With. My name is Jim Harrell. If you don't know who I am, I, I've been a podcaster for about 10 years in a totally different subject area. And I've also been uh, a lifelong fan of classic television. And I thought, well, how fun would that be to get to talk to some of the legends who made the best TV ever developed and not only talk about the good old days, but see what they're up to today. And I couldn't be more honored because we have a fantastic guest, a renaissance man. He does it all. He's Mad's maddest writer. He's also uh, the Giz Wiz on the Twit uh, podcast or Netcast Network with Leo Laporte, I should say. And Dick DiBartolo is also one of the most important people in the history of a game show that I loved growing up. Maybe I shouldn't have been watching it, but I think a lot of kids watched it. I'm in my 40s. And of course, I wish I had the theme music, The Match Game. And uh, Dick was a driving creative force behind that program and the way it evolved over the years. And we're so glad to have him on the program. Dick, Dickie D, welcome to the program. Wow. After that intro, I think I'm actually too famous to do this podcast. I think you are. <laughs> <laughs> no, But no, it's too it's, late. No, yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, the thing that I was amazed uh, looking at your bio and, and certainly uh, the way I became familiar with Dick is through his work on uh, the Twit Network. But uh, really, I knew you were a renaissance man, but I didn't realize how young you started. Tell us well, about you know, how you got involved with Mad Magazine. Uh, I was back in high school and, uh, I was reading mad. And then after about the third or fourth issue, I thought, I don't want to read this. I want to write this. And, and, uh, so I did a satire on some TV commercials and, um, I bought a book called The Writer's Yearbook because I, I didn't know how you send stuff to magazines. And, and I read that many magazines will not take submissions through the mail, uh, but they listed MAD as accepting submissions uh, that were submitted directly from the writer, not through an agent. It said, but send a self-addressed stamped envelope uh, because if, if it's rejected and there's no self-addressed stamped envelope, it, it'll just be trashed. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I sent my script in with the big uh, return envelope. And then about, I don't know, six to eight weeks later, the big envelope came back with my own handwriting and my own postage. And I was very depressed. And then later I thought, you know, maybe they'll say this was almost good or it's too close to something we did. So anyway, I opened the envelope and, uh, the envelope was stuffed with cardboard and, and on the cardboard, it was scribbled. Ha ha ha. Thought this was your script being returned. A staple to this cardboard is a check for a hundred dollars, a lot of money back then. Mm -hmm. Uh, and will you please get in contact with us because we would like you to do more work for mad. Huh. And so now I've hit, like year 52 with mad that's and, amazing that's yeah. amazing i mean you think about changes in in management and, and and just to be able to to be with something and you're in you're in every single issue and it's just amazing but what i think is interesting is some people would have maybe like a, that would be their career and maybe they write some more but you got involved with game shows how did that yeah, well, happen the, well the thing with mad was that i was only on staff for like 
eight or ten years as creative consultant. Um, so I would I I could write mad and and do other stuff too. And a, a friend of mine was working uh, for Goodson Todman, and he said he knew about my mad stuff, and he said, you know, Goodson has a new show called The Match Game, and he said if you come up, I'll describe it. So I went up, and he said. Goodson loves the game, but he's very afraid there won't be enough material. And he said, we'd like to hire you about six months before air, and we would like to go on the air with 5,000 questions. Wow. <laughs> right, okay. But the original match game was very right. different. It was... uh you know, the the producer back then, the executive producer back then, his name was Bob Noer. And, and for a laugh, he would invite someone in and then call me in and say, Dick, do the egg file for us. And so the egg file was something like, uh, name an animal that has an egg, name an animal that doesn't have an egg, name something you can do with an egg, egg eggs go with so-and-so. What would you serve with an egg? How many different ways can you make it? And so all the questions were, you know, name a red flower, name a flower that's not red, name a flower that you put in a vase. But those were what the match right. game questions were. And, uh, and, and there were some blanks. And then we even had egg blank as, as a question and then blank and egg as a question. Anyway, the, the contract for match game was for a year and about, Ten months in, uh, Mark called me in, and he and he said, "Listen, uh, NBC is not picking up Match Game because the renewal date has come and gone, right. and you have two months of work. But I'm just telling you now, since I know, if you want to start putting out feels for something else." And then over the weekend, I was thinking about it, and on Monday I went back in and I said, "You know, why don't we just change the show a little?" and do silly questions. And he said, well, like what? And, and so the first thing I ever I wrote was one. John liked to pour, uh, Mary liked to pour gravy on John's blank. <laughs> and, and, and Goodson did what you did. You know, he laughed and he said, Oh, people are going to laugh, but what then what? I said, well, they'll, they'll laugh. And then they'll say meatloaf and potatoes. And then, and they'll give answers that match. And he said, well, you know, it's canceled. They can't cancel it twice. Just do what you want. And so we started interspersing those kind of silly questions in with the name of flower and name, uh, you know, uh, name something you put in a canister. And it started, the rating started to go up. And six weeks later, Goodson called me in and said, you know what? He said, those questions are working because NBC is picking it up for another six months or, or a year. I can't remember. And he said, so just keep writing those questions. Wow. Um, and that went on for 18 years. And really? I mean, that you're basically the person responsible. If anybody loves the match game, you're the person responsible for it. Well, I saved it. I, I mean, uh, you know, I always felt, I always felt it was, uh, you know, the double-edged sword is that, Goodson, he gave me a hundred dollar week raise, and and uh, but I always thought, gosh, if they had given me one percent of the show, <laughs> the stuff, residuals, yeah, particularly in syndication, I yeah. I would be, you know, 
uh, on Easy Street. Now, the, now uh, I want to I want to let people uh, reiterate something, people. You're talking about when you're talking about uh, NBC and so forth. That was the original version of the game show, I believe, mostly uh, released for a while in black and white. And yes. there are very few of those exist. So we're not talking about the ones you see in syndication and no. on the game show network. Those are the later ones that came up in the '70s and early '80s. Right. And the reason that there are so few of them is videotape was very <laughs> expensive back yeah. then. And so we had the library uh, at Goodson Todman, which was a, a, a large room with all of the recorded shows. However, they started erasing them. Yeah. And you would get a memo once a month or maybe it was once a week. I don't remember. And it would just say, we are erasing the following shows uh, for the following dates. If for any reason you have friends on them or a spot you really liked, uh, please go to the library room and take it off the shelf because they'll be erased. And so almost none of those original match games still exist. And that was very common. I mean, the, most of the New York Carson shows, the same thing happened to with NBC, correct? Yes. And, and especially Carson, you would think, well, you know, people might want to see it again. But game shows, yeah. who thought, well, you know, the person won or lost if you saw it the first time. So why would you ever want to watch it again? Well, who knew? Yeah, yeah. That, uh, what is it? Uh, the first show, the show really started in 63. It actually started New Year's Eve of 62. So it's uh, 63, what's it, 50 years? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, fifty some odd years. But people I, could still be watching. I find that like uh, it's like looking at old ads. It kind of gives you a glimpse into the culture at the time. You know, I mean, if you watch those shows from the seventies, it gives you a glimpse of what kind of like the zeitgeist was. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I like I just like Charles Nelson Riley and Brett Summers oh, uh, interaction. Great stuff. And it was it was really fun. And the show also changed dramatically when it went to California. And because Goodson knew that I was a, an asset to saving the show, when Match Game ended, I think it was a seven-year run in New York, um, he, he, he called me and he said, listen, Match Game is going off the air, uh, but not forever. We're, we're going to do a syndicated version and he said, do you, do you want to move to Hollywood? I'll move you out there. I'll set you up out there. I said, Mark, I'm a, I'm a Brooklyn kid, mad <laughs> here. I, I don't want to go to California. And he said, well, I'm not closing my uh, New York office. Uh, he said, but it's going to be in a totally different format. You'll still be writing it. Uh, he said, so just pick a show that you like and, and tell them that. I told them to put you on the staff. So I went over and I did some stuff for What's My Line. I worked on To Tell the Truth for a while. And then when they brought Match Game back, uh, that's the show most people are familiar with. In New York City, it was a celebrity and two contestants on one team, a different celebrity and two contestants on the other team. When it, went, when it was reborn in California, it was six celebrities uh, and just two team members. 
So that that's and it was in color and it was in syndication. And in in, in that version, I mean, uh, it was a little more risque. Certainly nothing to the level of what we see on TV today. But no, it was a little more risque. And the thing is, is that what I thought was brilliant about it, and I was a kid at the time, so I didn't realize it. But you know, uh, they would use euphemisms for things. Uh, you know, Big Bertha's. Uh, Blank was so big that it had its own zip code and it would be Fanny and all these yes, like yes. tush. And I, I just, and the thing that I thought made it work is that, and I, I'd like your opinion on this. I don't know that it would work today because it, it kind of reminds me, I think of Stern when he was on traditional radio as opposed to something like Sirius. Sirius, he can say anything he wants. Right. But part of the magic of what he did was he would do things on the air, but there was a line he couldn't cross, so he had to kind of playfully play with that line. And I think the same thing for the match game. Yes. There were things you couldn't say, <laughs> you know, in, in, in daytime television on CBS in the 1970s or syndication early evening. Usually it was, I think, in the 7 o'clock hour, at least in Ohio where I'm at. And and they knew they couldn't say things, but you could hint at things. And, and sometimes it was even the unspoken answer uh, about the, like you said, with the gravy thing, things that people were thinking, but they couldn't dare say. Exactly. As a matter of fact, Diane Janiver uh, would would give a lecture before every show to the contestants. And it was, you don't say uh, penis, you say, I forgot what, what, what the word, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was dongle. I don't even remember. Uh, but you don't say urinate, you say tinkle, you don't say breast, you say boobs. Uh, uh, but then the show, um, I believe, I think it was in Canada and someone called me and said, you know, we're, we're reviving match game and hoping you would want to write. And I said, you know, I've written more than 40,000 questions. I don't have a question left. <laughs> I said, you know, if you bought the the rights, ask them to ship you all the files. Because when it went to California, there were three or four more writers that they added. And I said, there must be five, there must be hundreds of thousands of questions around. So you could just hire someone to update them, but I, I didn't want to uh, write it. But I, I never saw that version, but someone told me that they got all young comedians who just pretty much said the actual words that people were thinking, and it was not funny anymore. <laughs> right, you couldn't play with the line. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, you're right, it, it, it's... If it was on today, unless you had a dynamite host, uh, it's not going to work. And and the version that I'm talking about in Canada, I think it went for a year or so. Well, speaking of hosts, I mean, I think, you know, my two favorite game show hosts growing up were Bob Barker and Gene oh, Rayburn. Great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it seems to me Gene Rayburn was perfect for that show. Gene was amazing. And, and the funny thing was Goodson used to call Rayburn in and say, Gene, this is not a comedy show. This is a game show. And Gene would say to me, can you imagine that he was upset that <laughs> we were getting laughs? And, and there was always a, a, a kind of a, a constant friction between the two of them. And when we got into the silly stuff, I got on camera a couple of times Um I think on you, I think I put it up on YouTube. It was my favorite moment in in uh, game show, a uh, match game for me was uh, 
uh, Lauren Bacall, we became great friends from the green room. And w people who know about game shows, the entire show was taped in, in uh, one day. Right. And, and you tape two shows in the morning, and then there's an hour and a half to two hour break, and you have lunch. And during the lunch, almost everybody sits around and eats in the studio, and we get to talk to one another. And Lauren McCall, we had a lot of laughs. And one day... On, on as the show started, Rayburn said, and and the wonderful Lauren Bacall, and she comes out, and and you're supposed to stand behind your seat, and Gene says a couple things about you, and then you sit down, and Lauren and I had just been the, actually, she, she, I was able to call her Betty, which she said, don't call me Lauren because my friends call me Betty, so she was standing behind the chair, and, and Rayburn did the lines. And we had been laughing about something right before the show. And she kept staring at me and I was laughing and, and she didn't sit down. And Rayburn said, Lauren, this is where you sit down. And, and, he, and he looked over and he said, are you, what are you doing? And Lauren said, I'm in love with Dick D. Bartolo. And, and Rayburn said, oh, Dick D. Bartolo is the guy who writes all the questions on the show. And... I saw the camera go on when they cut to me and I pretended like I was so shocked that I was on camera. I fell back and I actually didn't mean to, but I, I kicked the question board, which flew in the air. <laughs> and then I decided I might as well fall on the floor because, this, <laughs> and I fell on the floor and Rayburn came over and, and so the, the whole thing ended up lasting like two minutes. Uh, and, and then after that, sometimes there would be a series of, of uh, 10, or, not 10 to 12, three or four questions where nothing was matching. And during the commercial, Rayburn would, said, would say, walk out on camera, do something, we're dying here. And I would just get up and, and walk in front of him and, and said, did a golf ball go through here? I'm, I'm playing golf. <laughs> um, so by that time, Goodson had sort of led up on this is not a comedy show because it was clear that it was, it a, was a comedy show. It yeah, was a success. Exactly. I mean, I don't think exactly. we're playing. Well, the thing I've got to say, and I, I'm guessing there's people like me, uh, my age, uh, who feel this way. I can turn on a, a match game, um, and sometimes you can find them on the net and things, uh, like on YouTube or something, but... Um, I don't know if that's entirely legal, but occasionally I've seen them on there. But it it brings you back. I, I remember being like eight years old on my couch. Maybe there's a snow day from school and my mom just made me soup and I'm watching the match game. And it really transport. It's it's like digital uh, comfort food, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I'm married to the Turner Classic Movie Channel. Yeah. I love old movies. When I was a kid... My family took me to, we had a house in the country, which sounds great, which was great in the summer. But my father insisted going there year round. <laughs> and we were the Definitely. only, only people there. And it was desolate and cold. But on Saturday night, we drove into town and we went to the movies and when that movie would start, I would mentally say, I have two hours of total escape. And sometimes I'll see a movie and, I, and I'll remember specifically seeing the movie 
in Nekong, New Jersey, in, in, in the theater called the Palace Theater, which 10 years ago, I, I, I said to my brother, let's go back and see if, the, mm-hmm. if they've torn down the Palace Theater. And they hadn't, but I'm thinking, why did they call this the Palace Theater? It's made out of cinder block. And, and it's so far from being, uh, you know, any kind of a movie theater, but those movies were my comfort food and still are today. And I put on my bucket list, and I did have it happen, was to be a host uh, with Robert Osborne. Oh, that is so neat. That is so neat. It took four years, and I had pitched them uh, that Mad's Maddest Writer would pick an evening of movie satires, and I would explain the difference between a satire and a comedy. What movies... Did you pick? Uh, I, I picked uh, Murder by Death, Neil Simon. Oh, great stuff. Uh, one of the funniest movies ever made, Spinal Tap. <laughs> uh, Murder, uh, let's see, Love and Death, Woody Allen. And, oh, oh, and I wanted Airplane. But it turns out that they, they have contracts with different studios for different movies and they can only be shown so many times within a certain amount of months. Anyway, Surely you're joking. No, I'm not. Yeah. And don't call me Shirley. Shirley. <laughs> right. uh, so he, he said, if you've not seen support your local sheriff, can I suggest that? And I said, I have seen it, but I don't remember it. And he sent me a turn to classic movie, sent me a copy. And it's a very funny satire on Westerns with, with some very crazy plot lines and plot twists. Uh, so that was my fourth movie, uh, Support Your Local Sheriff with James Garner. Yeah, um, that is a very, those are good. Uh, and there were two, weren't there a couple of those movies? That yes, were very, there yeah. was. That one did very well. And the second one was like, yeah, support, support your, your local, local something. Gunslinger or something. I something. Yeah, that might have been it. I that watched one of those been. a couple of years ago, actually. Yes. A good, very good stuff. Especially if you like Maverick, because it was like almost a continuation of that, yes. that same character. Yes. Yes, exactly. And, and it was mad-like in as much as James Garner, in every scene, he, he takes the job as sheriff which he doesn't want, but he says, I, I'm earning money uh, because I'm taking, making a trip to Australia. Yeah. So why he's going through this little Western town on his way to Australia, Australia. Who knows? is beyond me. Jack but, Elam and, yeah. and people like that. Now, yeah. so uh, the game show, uh, the game show career in terms of match game and so forth, uh, very successful. And, and match game comes to, to an end. You're continuing your, your work, uh, at Matt, of course, but I'm really interested. How did you become the Gizwiz? Well, how'd you get involved in this whole other side tangent of being like a tech wizard? You know what? It's it's very interesting, and and it was because of a producer at Goodson Todman. Hopefully, her name will come back to me. Barbara Griff just came back to me. Barbara Griff was working on to tell the truth. And, uh, one day she called everybody in and said, listen, I'm leaving. I'm going to become a producer at uh, channel five, uh, which is our local Fox now, now local Fox back then it was Metro media. Um, and we're doing a show, a two hour show called Saturday morning live. Mm-hmm. And they had, um, they had the carpenter, they had a, a cook and they had a gardener and they had a pet person and, after it was on for six months or so, she called me up and she said, you know, is your office still full of gadgets? Because I love gadgets. And I said, absolutely. She said, would you ever consider 
coming on the air and talking about um, the, the gadget you like. And I said, oh, yeah, that sounds good. I said, are there any ground rules? And she said, no, just take, you know, five or whatever we want, five minutes, eight minutes. I said, okay, so I'll get six gadgets. So I did it. And a couple of weeks later, she called and she said, you know, uh, we got uh, a lot of mail uh, uh, about the guy with the gadgets. You have more. And I said, Barbara, do I have more? What are you kidding? Uh, <laughs> so I did it uh, two or three more times. And, and then she called me and just said, you know, do you just want to be on every week? And I said, I can do that. And that went on for six months. And then uh, someone from the Regis office called and asked if I was under contract to Metro Media or could I do uh, Regis? And I said, no, uh, I can do anything. So I did Regis for, gosh, I don't know, six or seven wow. years. And then I ran into um, an executive whose name I did forget who was uh, in charge of uh, network news. And he said, you know, would you like to be on Good Morning America? He said, because <clears throat> he said, I, I've been watching on Regis. And he said, what I like about you is you're, you love gadgets, which is obvious. And he said, you, you kind of say, this is very powerful. This is very, he, he said, without saying this is 959 gigahertz. And this is right. Uh, you make it approachable. He, exactly. Where, where he said, where, you know, we have a large female audience and they may not want to know all those tech specs. Um, so, I went over and I had a contract with Good Morning America for five years. And then from there, I went over to World News Now. Yeah, I know you do yeah. stuff with ABC yeah. all the time. And of course, yeah. you know, uh, well, how long has it been? You've been with uh, Leo. Twit? Yeah. yeah. Leo is amazing. I was on, um, Leo had a show on, on a channel called uh, Tech TV. Yeah, I remember it very well. <clears throat> right, yes. right. Uh, out of San Francisco. And Good Morning America asked me to go to San Francisco to find gadgets at the uh, Gourmet Show, National Gourmet Show. So I emailed Leo and uh, another gentleman on a show called Martin Sargent and said, I'm coming to San Francisco for the Gourmet Show for ABC. And could I come by and watch a episode of Screensavers? And Martin Sargent uh, called me up and he said... Uh, You'll, Leo will never read your email because he gets thousands of days and he just doesn't read emails. But uh, he said, I don't book the show, but I know who you are and I know you're mad stuff. Is it okay to tell the producers here that you're coming to town? Mm -hmm. And if they want to book you, they'll call you. But I just wanted to ask before I tell them, or do you just want to see the show? And I said, no, tell them I'm coming to town. So they called and said, as long as you're going to the gourmet show, why don't you just find like 10 crazy gadgets and bring them? And instead of watching the show, just be on the show. And I was on with Leo and we just had the best time. And then, um, when I came back to the city, uh, the people from tech TV said, you know, we have a little satellite studio in New York city. So if you, anytime you want to be on, just call us up and, and we'll book you on. So I did that for a couple of years and, and then it went off in New York and I flew to Canada and did it with Leo. And then when that went off, uh, Leo said, you know what? I have an idea. I think I'm going to start a channel, a tech channel for the internet where 
you don't have to worry about meetings. You don't have to worry about anything. What do you think? I said, Leo, I think with, with your following, right. you can, you can pull this off. And I think I was his third show. He, he was doing a monthly show and a weekly show. And we had lunch one day and he said, I want to do a daily show. Yeah. Uh, you know, could you do a show every day of the week? And I said, well, I would do a gadget a day. And he said, that's good. And I said, I also keep a room in a warehouse with crap. That's, uh, it's obsolete, uh, technology, but I haven't got the heart to throw it out. Uh, and, and I said, I could do like Dick's gadget warehouse every Friday. Yeah. With a squeaking said, oh door. Yeah, exactly. So I did it. We did it three years for free. And then, uh, the fourth year Leo said, you know, we, uh, audience is big enough now that we can sell some ads. Uh, so now I'm starting, uh, this is, oh, you know, it's February. I think this is the beginning of year nine. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. And it's really a, a great show. Now I believe you're, you're hosting with, uh, Chad Johnson. One of the with hosts, Chad yeah. Johnson. Exactly. Leo, uh, um, Leo was doing something like 25 right. shows a week and he had one day a week off and, and, uh, he said, you know, I'd love to take two days a week off and, uh, my goodness, what a slacker. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. So I do it with Chad Johnson. So it's a still great fun. So it's technology, but, but we're silly. I mean, but it's interesting because you've seen the whole scope of this. I mean, you go back to the early sixties where, you know, the only thing that survives are maybe a few kinescopes and now you're doing uh, TV on a regular basis on the internet. What do you think about all this? Oh, I think it's amazing. It, 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 what is amazing is that nowadays, like, like I, I sent my script in to med and, and they read it and, you know, it turned into a, a, a career. If you can afford a, a dinky webcam, which is about 50 bucks and you don't have to start out with the Heil PR40, which I also have, which is like four or $500. Right. You can start out with a good $70 uh, headset microphone. Yep. And, <laughs> and you can end up, if you're creative, you know, getting enough hits that someone will pay attention to you. And so you can start a career for yourself without an agent without investing money. And what I love about, about Leo and Twit is that there are no rules that I know of. In other words, the, the Gizwiz, it, it might be 40 minutes. It might be an hour and 30 minutes. It's you talk until you're done. And Leo, once in a while, you'll hear him do a rant from people emailing him saying, well, the Gizwiz, you said it's going to start at 7.30 and it started at <laughs> 5 after 8 uh, because you let the show in front of it run longer. And Leah says, why, why do you watch it live then if you're that upset? Right. We send them out every week, yeah, that's right. you know, in iTunes. That's one of the freedoms we have here is that we're not a network or we are a network, but we're not like a network in as much as we don't have those rules. Right. It, and I, th it, I, th I think it's great because the thing is, is that, you know, I worked not to the extent that you did, but in traditional media. And I remember when I worked for CBS radio, uh, I had told them, Oh, you, 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 and I talked to some of the guys in New York cause I had some contacts up there. Oh yeah. Checking in this thing, podcasting. I've been doing it on the side and they're like, Oh, go away, kid. This is seven or eight years ago. 
And and now I just see where they started a podcast network <laughs> because yes, now it's I, the hot thing, you know. Absolutely, but, absolutely. But the thing is, is that I hope that we can maintain, you know, certainly podcasting, or I know Leo calls it netcasting, um, can maintain some of this kind of entrepreneurial indie spirit that it has because it reminds me when I read of the very early accounts of very early television, it reminds me a lot of that, and I hope that. While I think it's great that that the big companies are coming on board and big names are coming on board and making podcasting and internet media of all types more popular and more mainstream and, and more listeners and more viewers, I just hope we don't lose that that fun side of it too. No, absolutely. It's very fun that you said that because I remember when we were doing some of the first shows, I would say to Liam, I said, Liam, this is like Charlie Chaplin when he started a movie studio and, and did everything himself. He made the movies the length he wanted. He, no one came down and said, uh, you know, that's that's too broad, that's not broad. It didn't test yeah. well. <laughs> no, he just thought, whatever I think is, is good, since my fans have been following me all these years, I'm assuming that they're going to think it's good, and we're not going to have 19 executives tell us um, what we should be doing and shouldn't be doing. And to this day, no one has ever said, don't do that gadget. I, I, they, no one knows what I'm doing. You know, Chad, we, we tune, Chad tunes in and I don't know what he's doing. And sometimes right before the show, I'll say, Chad, what's your gadget? Because I want to look at it on, on the web in case I want to make up some questions about, the, but there's no production meetings. There's nothing. It's just, it's just the best. And a nice thing about it is the connection to the audience. I mean, I'm sure for you having worked uh, in a very kind of traditional situation, you know, as traditional as mad magazine uh, could be or the match game, but more corporate kind of thing. Um, if you could call it that um, to have this one-on-one -on -one interaction with the audience, I would think that's a fun aspect. of It's it too. great. It's great. And, and, um, you know, Leo has the thing called the chat room. Right. And the, and the, the chat room is, is watching uh, us live. And also the cameras at Twitter on 24 seven. So if you watch the match game, via iTunes, you'll see it with opening credits and, and you, and you'll see the show and then the show will end with credits. But if you're watching it on twit.tv and go into the chat room, uh, you see me unpacking stuff here 20 minutes before the show. You see me lighting my studio and you see everything that goes on back. If I have guests and I've drop cams, so but the chat room is always saying, what's, what's that on your desk? And they're also, if you're showing a gadget, they're saying, oh, I use that. I love that. Or Dick, did you know you can get that $20 cheaper here? And, and we integrate that into, into the, the show, show yeah. you know? And, 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 and Leo does this radio show, the, the tech guy on Saturday and Sunday, that is on 101 radio Premier, stations. Yeah, I think so. Yes, yeah, yeah. So you're, you're, you are a, a big fan. And someone will write in and uh, call in and say this, this, and this. And Leo will say, boy, I don't know, a Bluetooth thing. And he says, I'll ask the chat room. And the chat room is, is always or usually no less than 500 people, 500 gadget-loving people. And, and sometimes in the thousands, if, if he does like the uh, – 
unboxing of the first iPod or some big thing like that. Um, they'll have, I think the chat room can hold a thousand people. So they'll have the, the an overflow chat room with another thousand people. It, it's a phenomenon. He's just great. Yeah, it is. It's great. And certainly Leo Laporte, I think anybody who does this, it's kind of like anybody does a talk show owes uh, Johnny Carson a, a debt of gratitude. Anybody that does podcasting, I think, owes Leo a grad, uh, debt of gratitude. Uh, certainly Absolutely. An, certainly an inspiration for me and, and many, many other uh, podcasters. Yes, yes. And, and the wonderful thing about Leo is uh, sometimes uh, someone will come on and go, I'm embarrassed to ask this. I'm very stupid. And, and Leo said, first of all, don't be embarrassed. Second of all, there's no such thing as a stupid question. And third of all, 90% of the time when something goes wrong, it's not your fault. It's the software. Right. It, it, it's the way they've, they've set it up so that this will happen. And what I love about Leo is if you call and you go, you know, what is the name of the cable that you put in the back of the printer? Well, he says, well, you know, it could be USB and it'll be shaped like, you know, he'll describe it. And if you call up and say, I have the Epson 9010305 and Leo will say, well, the printhead in that is the 6090. So whatever level you right. are, he talks to you back in that level. It's just great. It's yeah. just great. He's never embarrassed anybody. It is certainly, certainly good stuff. And and I think you are the epitome. What we hope to show on this program is that there are people out there who have done classic television, who not only have great things to talk about in the past, but uh, great things to talk about today and into the future. So along that note, people want to connect with everything Dick DiBartolo is doing 2015 and on, where would they go? Okay. So my website is gizwiz.biz. And at gizwiz.biz, you can find all the gadgets I talk about. There's a, 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 down the center of, of the website, there is a Tech Guy Labs uh, a link you can click on. That's the stuff I talked about on Leo. Then there's a World News Now logo. You click on that and you'll find all the stuff from ABC. And the Gizwiz stuff with Chad comes up automatically at the beginning of the website and there's also a match game uh logo there you can click on that i i i did i it was so sad when they were closing goodson todman uh in new york city mm -hmm. they brought in dumpsters and they oh. would just they would just throwing out everything and, and i grabbed oh four or five of those file cabinets on, on the top of your desk with the three by five index cards. So I, I grabbed about a thousand match game questions, which, which I've been selling on the internet. Uh, they were throwing out, I, I, I went into uh, Bill Egan, the, the manager back then. I said, Bill, these four masks, aren't these the masks from what's my line? Oh. And he said, yeah, do you want them? <laughs> I, I, I said, I said, Bill, nuts? <laughs> I'll take one of them, but let's tell people what they are and that you don't want them. So I took one and I said, doesn't anybody want, I think I took, Dar I think I took Arlene Francis. I got the oh, one with wow. the, the fake pearls on it. Uh, I said, doesn't anybody want, uh, so other people took them. But anyway, I, so there's a match game logo and that's kind of funny because when match game went over to the game show network, I got a check 
And I a game show, and I thought, oh, whoa, residuals. <laughs> uh, and, and there's a picture of the check on my website. So the check is, I think, a dollar twenty-one, <laughs> and and it's not a week. It was forever. So that was my entire take from Game Show Network. And I have another check for seventy-three cents for Family Feud, uh, writing questions for Family Feud. So there, there for me. There was no money in residuals. But priceless memories. But priceless memories and the checks are hanging on my wall because who would ever cash a check like that? Well, I, I, this has just been a delight for me. This has just been fun. If we weren't putting out a podcast, but we are, we thank you for being the first guest. And I hope, you know, if this show is successful, I, I, I'm planning on a, a brand extension already. Now, this is okay. TV, TV you grew up with, and we're going to do one about college TV you threw up with. <laughs> Okay. So if you'll come on that one too, because I'm sure okay. there's some college. But you're talking to someone who who quit college <laughs> because I went directly into writing and and uh, Goodson Todd. I went right into TV production, and I was going to uh, school at night studying TV production. Meanwhile, I'm working at NBC. <laughs> yeah, you're teaching the people there. Yeah, exactly. And stuff. the guy said, "Next week class, we're going to NBC." And everybody went, oh, "Ooh!" And I'm going, "Wait." I, I can go to NBC any day. The week. I just dropped out, so I, I had like two months of college. So that that helped my career along. That I instantly started doing what I wanted to do right out of high school. That is great. It, it's so great to spend some time with you. Thanks for being our first guest. Thank you so much. And thank you for tuning in to this new program, TV You Grew Up With. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And I hope you'll enjoy us for the next installment. If we can find anybody else who will agree to come on this show. We'll talk to you next time. Have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye.